from last night recap, we are looking at the chats that were, took place on the week beginning 1st of April. I'm your host, Martin Coots, and I'm joined by my friends and co-host, Mr. Johan Anderson. Good evening, Johan. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm fine. Yourself. How's the weather in Sweden? Oh, weather again. <laughs> no, we're really happy because it's above zero degree Celsius, which means that it's not freezing. So we're really happy uh, around here. So how are you doing in Scotland? We are good. We are having uh, we are having a, a nice time of it just now. It's a, a spring break for a lot of people here, so we're on a two week holiday. So it's a nice and relaxing times at the moment. And I'm so happy that we're talking about the weather. Yeah, I feel yeah, like well. I need to go make a hair appointment and talk about the weather with the hair salon over here. Hey, Kurt, your hair is always one that I'm jealous of, and I think we're going to start off with one of the most pressing questions of uh, the episode. Hashtag Where's Kurt? Yes, everyone turn, find my friends off first, please. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with find my friends. Yeah. And we know where you have. You know that because of that. It's the listeners that want to know, Johan. This know. is the thing. Oh, Three questions. So, is that so? Are you, are you near the city of Philadelphia? I am near the city of Philadelphia. Okay. But not That's in the That's my city. question. Okay, Johan, you got, you got a question? Oh, yeah. Um, is it... Um, a neighboring city. It's a neighboring city. Ooh. Ooh. Matt, have you got Apple Maps up? No, no, no. I'm quite good with my Philadelphia region. So, uh, <laughs> oh, nice. nice. Oh. I'm going to say, does the place you're in share the same name as a place in London known as Camden? Ooh. That oh. is ding, 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 ding. Bang uh, on. Told you. Oh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. We're like, I, I know it like the back of the I was, I was about to say that. I mean, that was, I am across, yeah, that was I'm across the bridge, indeed, in New Jersey. Oh, we're that good. Love it. I, I was about to say, seamless podcasting. So with that, Kurt, do you want to give us a, a rundown of what's happening on this week's episode? Yeah, lots of things happening. So I'm looking forward to see how we can keep this uh, on track and on time because um, at the Emmaus chat, uh, you guys were talking about using animation in your classroom, and I saw a lot of classroom examples come by. And then in the evening um, of that same day on the Americas chat, it was all about getting started with robotics and more classroom examples, videos, animated GIFs, um, pictures came by. And then um, the hashtag of the week, which we need to give a shout out, is hashtag 802019. Welcome to the new class. Yeah, welcome everyone. We Welcome. Yes. Matt, have you, got, have you got any preview that you want to give us about your questions this week? So, yeah, so we had a call in this week from, um, from one of uh, a great ADs over in America, from John Smith. He called in following the chat that they had, and uh, we'll pick that up a bit later in the show. Oh, oh dude. sounds brilliant. Sounds a lot of fun. So, guys, if there's no objections, I'm going to kick it off with the Amir recap right after these little messages. Brilliant. Great stuff. Okay, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that little jingle. Guys, we're going to recap this week's EMEA chat, which um, was hosted by Gavin Sharp, which is at Gavin underscore Sharp underscore 73. So he's got a Twitter name that rolls off the tongue. Mm. And uh, his uh, <laughs> chat topic this week, it was actually, um, Miriam and I were looking at the figures for this week. It was one of the busiest chats we've had all year. Oh, was um, it? And it? Yeah, it was really well attended, really well attended. Nice. And I think 
that was down to the topic. It was down to the fact that it was using animation in your classroom. Yeah, I think the technology the, is so um, accessible now, no? Like I think so, yeah. Everyone um, can create to say it in those words. Well, this is the yeah. This is the thing. Not to not to sound like a, a rolling advert for Apple's curriculum, but mm. I think the fact we've had a, a pretty big update to keynote pages and numbers over the past sort of week to ten days, and one of the things that's that's happened there is the ability to on your iOS device create like motion paths and gifs and these little animations, and you can do that with ease. Um, and you know, the chat was kind of alluding to this. Keynote was mentioned, I, I think, practically in every answer that took place. It's almost like um, Apple released it knowing that this chat was happening or the other way around. <laughs> oh, I, <know>. yeah. <laughs> I like wish, that. I wish we were giving them that much of a, you know, <laughs> that much of a push to do things. That would be yeah. awesome. But the, um, the EMEA tweet of the week comes from uh, ADE, class of 2019 member uh, so congratulations nice. to him it's uh, damien parker at uh, matt how do you pronounce this is it cyrus yeah since cyrus yeah yeah, since, yeah. so uh, at cyrus dt on twitter and welcome welcome yeah yeah he's been an active member he's been an apple teacher he's uh, he's really been a, a great ambassador and delighted that um, his hard work's been recognised as um, an Apple Distinguished Educator. Mm. Um, but his uh, tweet of the week says, students and staff are often reluctant to have a go if you show them too much too soon. Mm. Start small, let them try, and then the confidence will build. Something simple, such as a blue bouncing ball, can encourage students to have a try and immediately become engaged. I love that answer. I thought um, that was such a... Yep, yeah. but for me, immediately, I, I got to get an answer in here, Martin. Yeah, Go Because for it. I was an ADE and I met you. And you yeah. were brilliant before you were an ADE. So my I answer do. is right now, or my question is right now. So how do you find it without a Mac? How do you use it in your iPad right now? How do I use animation on my iPad? Yeah. I, I use Keynote. Um, a lot of the time I use, I use Keynote to create the, uh, to create the objects. Um, the fact that you can export your objects as, um, they're, they're called vectors, but they're essentially images that you can use elsewhere and use them again and again. Um, I I just find um, I find Keynote going from strength to strength. Before, because you're not um, using anything else right now, are you? No, no, I live there, and that's why I, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, I um, I a couple of years ago um, when the first iPad Pro came out, I went completely iOS, and oh. I I mean completely iOS. I did away with Mac. I I went back a couple of times, but the the more and more I I started to realize I was using. I was using an iPad more and more. So I, I actually live the multi-iPad uh, lifestyle. So I have, um, I, right now I'm talking to you guys on my 11-inch iPad Pro, but I've also okay. got the bigger size iPad Pro. And they kind of act, my 11-inch kind of acts as my MacBook and my 12.9-inch acts as my iMac. So I kind of I, I kind of treat my two different sizes for two different purposes. Um and mm -hmm. it's not always been easy. This is this is one of the reasons why I'm so I, I'm such a, uh, a a strong believer in in the shortcuts app 
because shortcuts made things a lot easier. But with the recent update to Keynote and Pages and Numbers, the, the ability to do things on an iPad, such as animation, has just been much, much simpler. And with the introduction of the Apple Pencil, yeah. uh, the, the smart keyboard, it's really becoming a lot easier to live I think an iPad-only iPad lifestyle. I think iPad yeah. did that. I used to work at an arts academy um, yeah. in Belgium. And if I remember the setup we had to do for the animation department and the machines and the cameras, and I was just talking recently to Kathy Hunt, who's um, iPad art room. Um, yeah. And she gave me a similar story saying, now that we have iPad, I don't have to sit in front of a computer uh, with a bag of Twinkies anymore, watching it render video. <coughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, uh, was lucky to be on the phone with Stephanie Castles in the um, American uh, school in uh, Shanghai. And, and she took science to a new level um, with stop motion and, and animation. And that's all because of the simplicity of being in one device, I think. Yeah, because I didn't want yeah. to put you on the spot, Martin. I just wanted... Not at all. No, definitely not. I just wanted to highlight what you were doing. So that's, that's so interesting to me. So uh, that's why I wanted to just hear what you were saying. So it's no, it's really you, yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I think it's a really cool thing. So I think it's we're there where we... I am curious about the question though that you picked out because yeah, with all those yeah. uh, no yeah, no no definitely. not to cut you short yeah. but I I am really because I saw so much come by and you highlighted it. Which one did you pick? Yeah, so the uh, I actually went with question one. So question one was all about the principles, uh, the principal benefits, sorry, of using animation and in teaching and learning. Um, I'm just going to rattle off the answers and then we can sort of chat about them after. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one comes from a friend of the show that we talk about quite a lot, Aram Shlam, which is at Aramsky on Twitter. And he says, as a teacher, it makes a difference in delivering the instruction, makes it clearer. Students can express themselves better and show their level, level of understanding in more detail. And that theme kind of played quite a lot as you go through. Simon Pyle at Mr. Piley, who we've heard on this show before, yep, uh, yep uh, really, really uh, has pioneered a lot of the work um, of animating with Keynote. He's got some great books on it. Mm -hmm. And his answer was, for me, it's the resilience. Animation takes time collaboration and a lot of planning and it's that's the bit i want to come back to is the planning even with the technological advancements those elements still remain he's been doing a topic with his which is all about youth uh, violence and roboscoping is currently sitting at over 500 drawn slides for a minute of film wow uh, next answer comes from scott han which matt you will know very well scott's uh, one of your uh, one of your pupils one of your students yep. Um, and he's at Mr. Han USW on Twitter. He says, I've used it to great effect when trying to explain how something works. Still, images don't always do the job, but with animations, you can tell the story or create tutorials. It also provides learners with a creative way of presenting their learning. Great answer. Uh, another new ADE, Karen Irwin, which is at KMI underscore edu, Welcome. Has said, yeah, another <laughs> one you need to say welcome to. We'll welcome. Come to all these. Yeah. Uh, she says, children experience so much of their world visually through film and animation. So it's a very natural way for them to explain their learning and understand new comments. Do you think that yeah. this new feature of exporting us animated GIFs, I mean, GIFs have been around for a while, but 
having it yeah. spe specifically called out in Keynote and now with motion pads on the iPad, it's going to cause the social media to be like booming with that. I think so. I think we're going to see an abundance of these. We've already seen an abundance of these coming from people like uh, Ian Hughes. Um, Matt has done quite a few. Matt's done a great one on the, uh, you've done one on the, is it the water cycle, Matt? Or is it the, yeah. uh, how plants With the right breed? people, yeah. Yeah, well, the, yeah. Those, those ones, I mean, I did them originally a, a while ago. And then I think the animated GIF feature, I mean, they were originally exported as a movie. I think the animated GIF feature just speeds up that that process, and and obviously it does it automatically for yeah. you, which is again we've talked about this before. Takes away the um, a couple of the steps, so it it then engages younger learners again because they can then you know they don't have to worry about what's how many seconds between transitions, etc. It just does all that thinking yeah. for you. Um, mm -hmm. And and the the purpose of those little animations um, were to to give students something to talk over. So, you know, I'm a big advocate of saying you don't need to write everything down. So if you're going to say that, you need to replace it with something. I love the idea of giving them like a, a silent movie, so to speak, however you animate it, and then getting them to add the voiceover so that they have to demonstrate their knowledge and understanding. So, Do you think yeah, that I this think will so. think... um, help them rethink the everyone can create curriculum? Call out this feature. I think it's always going to adapt, I, isn't it? It's always going to it's always going to move with with the changes. And as as you know, as we know, Apple will watch Twitter and see what people are sharing, and ideas will will go full circle. And you know, and that's another great place to inspire people to use things in new ways. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think the fact that you know Twitter is kind of exploding with these already um, will will kind of give will give this kind of fire, uh, fuel to the fire, have to be a complex thing. I mean, we are not talking about people being the next Pixar, or but to reinforce the learning and to do some of the things that a lot of these guys were talking about in their answers, building resilience, building the fact that this is so easy to do now and doesn't take 10, 12, 14 hours worth of rendering. It takes 10, 12, 14 seconds worth yeah. of work to get this animation it's produced. It's a different that we're approach, gonna... isn't it? That's the thing. This is, this is not animation. Like yeah. It might have sat before in an art lesson or something like that. This is, you can do this in any lesson, and, and it can, you can bring a story to life in an English lesson. You can and bring science concepts be. to life. It's, the animation is now, again, another tool for expressing understanding as opposed brilliant. to it being animation, you know? Absolutely. And that's so brilliant. Absolutely. And that's how it should be. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Do you see possibilities? I'm um, sorry to like... Um, Go ahead. One, last, one last, last question. Um, do you yeah. see possibilities from Keynote now with these new um, motion pads to bring that into an AR Maker app and add moving parts to, to augmented reality? I think so. I think we're going to see the, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about the evolution of Keynote and how Keynote is now moving from the, the standard purpose that it started with, which was a presentation tool. To me, it's now moved to the blank piece of paper. It's mm -hmm. now moved to the notebook. It is now the, the, the defining app of education uh, using the iPad because it is, it is now your, your note jotter. It is now your text. You know, it's now, it, it develops itself or it adapts itself to any lesson. And I think that now taking something like this where you can uh, you can easily use a GIF with a transparent background in AR Maker, I think that would be a natural evolution of this. I, I'm with Martin. 
but I think that Keynote has been the future app for a very long time. Yeah. But I'm tr- yeah. I'm totally with Martin on this one. Guys, this is a topic that I think we could spend an entire show talking about. Definitely. But um, um, as as always, Miriam at Mercy Walsh has the Wakelet recap on this. And if you're wanting to see more about it, uh, give her a follow. Look at the some of the great comments. And most importantly, because they don't translate well in a podcast, some of the great examples that have been shared using, as always, the hashtag Apple EDU chat. Okay, guys, when we come back, I think it's ready... Uh, I think it's time and we're ready to hear from Kurt and the America yes, side. We're going to get started with robotics, see what happens. Nice. Woo! Great stuff. If you're hearing my voice, it's that time again. Time for the America's chat. As we just said, getting started with robotics. This week it was led by Brendan Kelly and Letty Batista. And as I promised, lots of classroom examples, guys. Um, the question that I picked out uh, plays into that because Brendan asked, can robotics be incorporated in cross-curricular, um, cross-curricular ways and share any examples? Definitely. And, uh, yeah, I think so too. In, and the tweet of the week was, uh, yes, but for me, one of the most important things to understand is that robotics is on its own. Uh, it teaches skills that are critical, uh, like reading and math and computational thinking, sequencing, etc., are important skills for my little ones. And that was uh, an answer from Jennifer uh, Seitzinger, who's at mm. Room 20 Awesome. And then um, I'll, I'll start with some examples, and I want to hear what you guys did. Um, the host himself shared a few, uh, Brendan Kelly. Um, one that I'm looking at is uh, a spheral ball in an Iditarod. And he said the students were learning about the Iditarods in, uh, in Alaska. So they created their own Iditarod sleds powered by um, the Sphero Edu and um, the new uh, Bolt version of that. So they did a, they did a race. Um, another one that I really loved was um, the students created um, cup characters and that they then used to retell stories. So using it in, in language learning. Um, and before I, I take out a third one, I wanted to hear what you guys had, had been doing, uh, Matt, at, inter- at university, maybe with your uh, teacher trainees. Yeah, or... so we, we, funny enough, we did a, did a session this week. I say we, um, two of my students, Scott Han and, and Sarah Hawkins, um, did a project in one of our local primary schools where they went in and taught the students about how to control the Sphero, etc. And then they create their own little robot wars activity just using junk material. So a little bit, bit of a makerspace kind of concept. Um, and, and they don't really give them any direction until they then fight for the first time. And what was great this week, just watching the children and listening to them have a conversation, was how much they were learning that was just natural learning taking place. So they were talking about friction. They were talking about central gravity. They were talking about um, the design of their robots, speed versus size etc and it was so so good to sort of realize that these year three children were were so engaged and everything and the robots were just kind of just the 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 piece that just glued it all together for them in terms of that's where that conversation came from so you know we're talking about this cross-curricular link one of one of the robots was was really small and the other robot was really big and it looked at first glance like the big robot's going to hammer it um the smaller robot won um, and then we sort of just picked up on the story of David and Goliath. And then the children wanted to go and learn about that story. And 
you know, it's it's something that can just be, um, you know, a point in the right direction for children's learning yeah. sometimes. So yeah. that was, yeah. one, one That storytelling story is indeed something um, that came out a lot of times because Amanda Matson, um, who's Amanda May Matson, um, said robot retelling using robots to act out math concepts like shapes and angles, using robots to collect the data. We had a snow plow fight with the dash and dots um, to uh, create visual representations of how many snowballs each team member collected during their turn. So oh, like that was that another one, one um, yeah, coming out there. Um, yeah. Jeremy Frick, who's maestro Jeremy F, he said, yes, they can. My students have to write up a fight plan about what they want the robot or drone to do. And then they have to use specific measurements like five feet or 90 degrees and not general terms um, like go for a while and then turn um, and then the Sphero um, adding paint uh, to, to art and doing all of that. So lots of, uh, of those creative examples too. Yeah. What about you, Martin? Yeah, one of the things that I've done is, uh, and this is where the, uh, the the differences across the corner are going to come in, is that I do them in my maths lesson, not math, <laughs> as uh, Americans are so fond of saying, but that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a culture thing. Yeah, it's in maths lessons. Uh, as you guys know, maths is my uh, primary subject. Mm-hmm. That's the, the subject that I taught before doing uh, digital skills with the iPad. And one of the, the lessons that we have most success with using the Speedos is uh, Speedo Light Trails, where we use the Slow Shutter Cam app uh, combined with the Speedo and the pupils have to create light shows of two-dimensional shapes. Uh, so the, yeah. the main thing that they're trying to enforce is the number of turns in uh, the interior angle of a shape. So the connection that I'm looking for um, is the ability to build the code. So we're looking at loops, so the amount of time that the code repeats should equate to the number of sides within the shape. Mm-hmm. And to get the the heading plus the turn um, is the number of uh, 360 divided by the number of sides in the shape. So I'm looking for, as well as the coding aspect, I'm looking for the ability to see if they can make that connection between interior angles. You um, lost me at maths. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, Let's go on. Let's go on. Yeah, let's keep going. So that's what happens going. here. Examples, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was a good. No, I, I love the really example. But like, I'm that um, I'm that kid who, um, whenever hears hears math or math, um, I frighten. Um, luckily, I'm I'm married to a, a, a mathematics teacher um, oh. who helps me with that. Um, one example, though, I, that I really wanted to to pick out um, by one of those super educators, Leah Lacrosse, who's going to be at ISTE. Um, she, she did something, um, said two of my recent EarthSci FAFs with, again, the Sphero, um, she used the sensor uh, in seismic safe building projects. So she actually had the kids build a building to demo an earthquake wave um, through the planet and then record that data. Yeah. So I thought that was really, really nice. And then Cindy nice. Heron yeah. replied to that saying, um, she also loves connecting literature with computer science, and she has tons of books that she loves. Though, and and you can find those at Cindy Heron with double R dot com. So on her website, again, a lot of examples on how to use robotics in other um, areas. Hey guys, before I close it off, anyone tried out um, any drone fireworks, like the program robotics doing that? No, 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 that no, not cool. no, that's really I was cool. walking in the city and I saw some guys um, 
playing with it in that way. So I was always surprised because I see a lot of celebrations over here in the U.S. where they use tons of fireworks, um, specifically when Independence Day comes up. Um, but using drones instead of that, I would love to see a school give me a performance of uh, of drone fireworks. Yeah, sounds like a nice idea. Yeah, Great. that sounds amazing. Yeah. And to finish that off, it's good that I heard you over there, Matt. Um, I think <laughs> Liverpool just scored. Liverpool um, just scored. <laughs> so I'm wondering, will we have questions or shout-outs? But, but we need to have a victory, a a victory I uh, jingle, I think, coming up. <laughs> I tried to be reserved whilst I'm uh, joining in and listening to this to their chat. <laughs> Nice. So, um, Kurt, where can people find? Is there a recap for the? There is a recap. Like it was that. Yeah. Yeah. Mia Morrison uh, makes the weekly recaps over here. Um, uh, that's um, following Mia Morrison on Twitter. So she does what Miriam does for you guys, uh, and they both started working um, with Wakelet. So you can find this week's and all the past ones on there. Oh, cool. Okay. So I think when we come back, we are going to have. Maybe a new jingle, who knows? But it's going to be time with what is quickly becoming the favourite feature of the show, Questions with feature. Matt. Questions with Matt. Ooh. That was slick. Someone's been at a garage band today at Apple Session. <laughs> oh. you got to love it. You've got to love it. Okay, I think he's, he's helping, his son is helping him out. I think <laughs> how, so. How did you guess? This is the problem with promoting my son so much on Twitter. People don't believe I have any skills now, which is actually true. Um, people I'm that crying right that. now. People I'm crying right, right now. now. <laughs> okay, welcome to Questions with Matt. Um, we had a great, we've said this before, we had a great call in um, from John Smith. So let's just take a listen to that now. Hey crew, John Smith here. Great chat last week on robotics in the classroom and I just wanted to say that one of my favorite activities and seemed to get a lot of uh, traction on the chat was painting with spheros. That was something I've done with my own children uh, in the kitchen. Lots of trash bags, lots of paint blobs, and uh, lots of um, wiping up the floor, but then also something that we've done in schools. And uh, some of the best stuff we've done is with the multiple handicapped kids and teaching them how to use the spheros to paint. So very cool activities. And actually, I have an English teacher who's willing to do something like that with storytelling here uh, in the coming weeks. So uh, keep up the great work on the podcast and uh have a good night everybody okay great uh do you know what john it's great to hear that it's great to hear just a couple of those examples that that you've been using and and again yeah talking about sort of uh you know mixed ability children etc and how they can all engage in things in a different way guys we, we've just had a bit of a chat about robotics and yeah this, but i just want to pick up on that kind of element of just the accessibility that coding can can offer to people. What any views that you guys have on on accessibility and coding opportunities? Well, I think the first thing we need to highlight is that after a while, Apple realized that everyone can code, but everyone can code wasn't accessible to everyone. And now, I think a month ago or two months ago, they yeah. made it accessible for anyone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the big Good one. Good work. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah. Because um, I've seen the example that they use in the Today at Apple, um, when you go to the prototyping one, 
is actually one of a person with low vision um, creating an app where they can call in um, someone um, who can help you with finding the light switches in the hotel. Um, just general, if you're in a new place, someone who can help you out really quickly. So I think that's a, that's a nice thing if we can help kids jump on yeah. that. Yeah, and I think, I, think I think that kind of points out the whole idea of it. It's coding, making coding accessible, but then coding, helping people have more access to things. So it's, it, it closes the loop really nicely, doesn't it? You know, Absolutely. You know, if, yeah. if people that have the issues can code things that they know will solve their own issues, it's going to help a lot of other people as well. So I think that's a really powerful thing. I think so. I think that's where I think that's where coding and accessibility really come together. Is is looking at those kind of practical issues that people with accessible issues uh, that people with accessible needs have. Um, and I say that as someone who has um, accessible needs. I think a lot of the time finding finding the connection and finding a, a practical example that can that can come out of it. And that's why I like the prototyping one, but it's actually looking at something that is a problem that needs to be solved and how coding can help that. I think that's a great. What about, what about coding in other ways? If we, if we sort of strip coding back to computational thinking, how does, how does computational thinking help children in the classroom in that way as well, access things in new ways? Any, any thoughts around sort of maths? I know, I know I've got some thoughts about how, how maths can help, but let's, let's check it out to you first, Martin, and see. You know, yeah, I think thinking and maths are, are quite closely tied together. So, absolutely, I think one of the ways that that it makes it accessible is it gives kids the ability to think in a in a in a way is logical. Um, and for a lot of people, mm -hmm. that's where they, they tend to struggle is um, how a process works, how putting steps in order. And you know, the the example that I always start with is making a cup of tea in the morning and how you would actually start to make a cup of tea. So I give them the I give them the steps out of order and the first task before they even touch um, a, a program or they touch um, an app that um, brings in all of these skills. And Matt, I know you're a, a big fan of Coding Unplugged as well, is I look at steps that are out of order and I give them a few minutes to, to put them in order, but also say, if you, if you were to follow it the way it looks right now, what would happen? Yeah. And I think that's where sort of computational thinking really makes that connection is is thinking logically. And, and yeah, and that was that was the bit I was alluding to really was that logical approach to things. And if you if you do things following a pattern, and it can be absolutely anything. You know, I I look back yeah. at my days as a PE teacher and just think, you know, the times when I probably <clears> confused students with how to do something was because I I didn't give it to them in a logical pattern. You know, i.e., if you if you want to pass a rugby ball, here's the steps to do it. And if you do those steps out of order it won't look right um and actually i think probably picking up coding later in my career when i when i'd left teaching pe um made me realize actually i'd have been a better pe teacher if i'd understood computational thinking um because i think i'd have delivered things better to children in that sense so yeah mm -hmm. actually a had a point. student um not not as much in in um coding and, and computational thinking um but your stories made me think of him um, diving into animation because this was a student with severe autism. Um, and the structure uh, that it provided was really, really good for him. Yeah. Um, and again, computational thinking helps with that. We were recently in Savannah in a coffee shop and that was completely run by um, people with Down syndrome. Um, 
and they were wow. on task. I mean, they were coming by, asking if everything was okay. Did we like the coffee? They were checking out. The store was as clean as can be. So yeah. it was the most pleasant uh, coffee shop I've ever been into. That's great. Yeah, and, nice. and like you said, it's that it's that processes, isn't it? If you if you understand the processes, then things just tick and things things work. Um, and if you miss, you know, from a customer service point of view, taking that for example, if you miss the tidying the table every so few few minutes that's a bad customer experience to people and, mm-hmm. and if you put that into a coding example that that's your fault that's your your error that needs to be fixed and if you overcome that error then people are going to have a better experience so yeah it's it's in life yeah, isn't it so um yeah so great answers guys let's let's go back we, we said last week we had quite a few questions from alina so we're going to pick up a couple of those um this week as well because you know she did send them in and, and we want to honor our guests so there's a great one here, which I think is very relevant. And actually, I was asked this by a child this week as well. Um, when you were children, what profession did you dream about? Johan, what, what was your dream profession? Dancer. Yeah, cool. So, and, yeah, and, you, yeah. and, you, and you followed that dream. So what, how old yeah, were you I did, when that, that was your sort of initial dream? When did you know that that was the thing you really wanted to follow? Six years old. Wow. Uh, so uh, literally, uh, I can. I didn't get all the way there. I was the twentieth best in the world. That's 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 pretty good. That's, 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 yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. That's the best in my world, Johan. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. So I, I didn't get there. You're the best answer I know. Yeah. Thank you. You're the best <laughs> one out of the four of us. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's cool. Uh, so, Kurt, what about you? What, what was your dream profession? Um, you actually uh, think I'm going to be pulling your leg over here, but um, when I was young, I was um, really into uh, soccer, football, however you want to call it. Yeah. And um, oh. I, was, I was watching a lot of Eurosport um, coverage, and I thought that guy was doing such a bad job. So I really wanted to be a commenter on, on oh, nice. sporting games. Oh, <laughs> love it. Very good. <laughs> Martin, uh, animator. Okay, animator. I know that's I know that sounds cliche, but yeah, I I uh, always like cartoons and and um. Sort of Are you quite animation. good? I never pursued it. I never um. I like I like doing my drawing mm. and I like I like sketching. It's I've never pursued it, and it's actually one 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 regret I've always had that I'm not I'm not pursuing it. But yeah, it's it's okay. it's funny how things that's work. Fine. Yeah, math. Yeah. You well, do you know of the of the four of us? I'm going to be the one who's who's going to be the most honest. Now, I'm very influenced. By honest, films. yeah. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. I'm very influenced by films um, and TV. So in in the 90s when I was young, um, Baywatch was big. I wanted to be a lifeguard. I'm not. Oh. Wow. Uh, then Top Gun came out, and I thought, yep, I could be a fighter pilot. Oh, so mm-hmm. you know, uh, did you ever want to be? I don't want yeah. to be Kit and Knight Rider. Yeah. Oh, that would also be good. I will point out at the you weren't good enough. <laughs> yeah, I can't swim, and um, I'm too heavy to sit in a plane. You can't so. swim. Yeah, that's it. Like me, mate. <laughs> I do. Yeah. So yeah, great. Okay, last last question. Nice. Then just to wrap things up, um, name one big failure or success in your teaching career. Martin. That sums up my whole career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Martin, one success. Ooh, uh, 
one success. Um, it's going to say it's going to sound really, really. I'm going to get a bit deep here, but yeah. as everyone, uh, well, if you suffered a car crash in 2012 um, that has left me with lifelong disabilities. And oh yeah, I think one of the the, the biggest things about my my teaching profession. Um, at the time was the fact that all of the pupils um, and the support that I got from all of the pupils during my recovery um, and that just that just kind of made me made me realize that being a teacher is probably one of next to being a, a husband and a father is probably the most important thing I've ever done with my life um, and it kind of gave me a, a motivation to get better and get sort of um, to, to get out of hospital as quickly into the classroom. That's a great response. And do you know what? I think so uh, there we, go. we definitely can't beat that. Yeah. So we're gonna no, we we're gonna can't. wrap this this section up on that on that really poignant answer actually, Martin. And that's a that's a great Cheers. answer. So thank you guys for joining in. And guys, if you have questions for Matt, please do drop us a message and we will tell you after this break how you can send them out to us. Okay, that's us coming to the end of the podcast. Good show this week, guys. I think we had a, a lot to talk about. It was clearly two very busy chats with a lot of uh, a lot of differing opinions and differing views. But as always, we are keen to keep the conversation going. So with that, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. Matt, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter? We know that. <laughs> yeah. So I am at Matt. M-A-T-6-4-5-3. I'm thinking yeah, those are like coordinates, like to his, at his place or something like that, or where he is I, in the world. Definitely. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I bet nobody knows what 6453 actually means. I well, know. At the beginning of the I song, know in my yeah. heart. It's not my PIN number, Johan. No. No. I think <laughs> we should... Uh, I think we should start a competition. Hash, <laughs> hashtag what what does Matt mean? What is six four five three? Johan, if people want to answer that question and get in touch so, with you, how can they do that? So if, tonight is Anderson six four nine three. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Anderson double S underscore A E D U. Nice, excellent, Anderson, Anderson Edu. Uh, Kurt, how can everyone get in touch with you? For me, that's um, at Mr. Kurt, M-E-E-S-T-E-R-K-U-R-T. Excellent. I'm at mcoots81, C-O-U-T-T-S. You can find all of us at Last Recap, where you can send your questions with Kurt, questions with Kurt, questions with Matt, and guess where uh, Kurt is? Kurt, do you want to tell us what's happening in America's uh, for the yes. next Apple chat? Um, two ladies are um, going to host called Natalia Leon Amador and Montserrat Aguirre. I hope I pronounced that right. That is good. Um, good and we're going to be talking about making differentiation possible. Yep. Excellent. Um, I actually think for this one, I'm not going to tell you what's happening with the, uh, the EMEA chat because the host is actually on this podcast. Matt, do you want to tell everyone what you're doing this week? Oh, yeah. So uh, me and my students. Are from, you doing it? It is. It is me. Well, actually, it's going to be oh, my students. Oh, my God. So my students from university are going to be discussing revision tools for iPads. So we're coming up to exam season, uh, certainly in the UK, and I'm sure in the rest of the world as well. Um, 
So we're going to be looking at revision tools for iPad. And that's, uh, like I said, with myself, but also with a group of my digital leaders from university. So great stuff. Good great yeah. stuff. Both of those chats are on Tuesday, April 9th. The EMEA chat is at 8 p.m. BST and the Americas chat is at 9 p.m. PST. Yeah. Guys, just one last thing to say. Um, Kurt's hashtag this week is hashtag ADE2019 on behalf of all of us here can I say a big congratulations to all of the new class of Apple Distinguished Educators for the class of 2019 so just a big well done and welcome to the community guys and wasn't welcome. it welcome? I can't remember if it was a, a prerequisite that they have to listen to this podcast to. Uh, yeah, they do. do. Yeah, they do, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. So, or at least yeah, get in we'll... touch with our moms. Yeah, well, this yeah, is it. At least, it. you know, the, you, may get, you may get a sweater or you might get a, a cake baked. Um, but, guys, that is going to do it for uh, this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Um, see you see next, next time. Week. Thank right, you, guys. Right.